I want to help us to this morning and as God lived to help me back into the realm of where miracles, signs, and wonders are performed. All the time, like I said at the beginning, we, there are three fundamental errors that we as Christians do because of ignorance. First, we pray from our knowledge. We pray from our knowledge. If you're sick, I pray from the knowledge of the fact that you are sick. If you, are, uh, you need financial breakthrough, I pray from the knowledge that you need financial breakthrough. I can pray from today till tomorrow, it will make no difference in your life. You can visit all the prophets and bishops and reverends all over the world. God will not make a difference in your life. This morning, the first error we make is praying from knowledge. We speak from knowledge. Everything we do, we do from our knowledge of what the situation is. But despite what our knowledge may say, what the Spirit will be saying will be a different thing altogether. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 9, the Bible says, depending on the translation, we can have it in the King James Version, but I'll paraphrase it this way. The Bible says, And the sons of the prophets came unto Elisha, saying, The situation of the land is pleasant as my Lord can see, but the water is not, and the land is barren. We look so handsome, so beautiful. We are dressed well. We do everything, everything in the physical. The churches are looking good. It's so pleasant. But there is something in here this morning. Despite how it looks on the outside, inside us, we have diabetic situations that cannot be cured. We have high blood pressures. We have depression. There are more depressed people in the church than in the world. There are more financially bankrupt people in the church than they are in the world. Despite everything that we do, we do not see that transformation that we're looking for. But there's a set of people who recognize that what is going on is not the way it should be. And God is looking this morning from this church, from this congregation, those who are going to be the sons and the daughters of the prophets that are willing to say, I'm tired of seeing sick folks in the church. We just got one of our sisters a couple of days ago. I was speaking to her. She said, oh, they just give me a prognosis that I have, I think it's a kidney or lung cancer. Last Sunday, two of our sisters here accosted me and said, Stephen, I'm still waiting for the husband that you prophesied will come. And I told them, I said, come today and hear what God will speak. If you look at this drawing, in the Old Testament, God gave seven steps when he gave Moses and said, here is how you're going to have the tabernacle and here is the process to come to me. And in the New Testament, he gave us Jesus Christ. And after giving us Jesus Christ, we still find ourselves coming through the same process in order to have a victory over principalities and powers. If you don't understand, know that the book of Ephesians did mention clearly that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. If you do not understand that thinking when you stand outside and say, the devil, I kick you, 
the devil, I waved the handkerchief for you to go mad. I saw that on the TV. One of the great men gave people bought handkerchiefs in the church. He said, wave the handkerchief for the devil to go mad. I said, y'all are the one going mad. Because you lack the understanding and the knowledge of what God has established for you. By the time God will help us this morning to go in the next few minutes, these steps and see how we can get into the point, I will explain one of the most critical areas in our lives that is very challenging. By the time we go through that spot, I don't know how many of you who have seen, um, I think the Hindus perform that, the Muslims perform that. You see a man dancing bare feet on broken bottles. Have you ever seen that? You see them dancing on broken bottles and nothing happened. You've seen some of them, they'll take a sword and thrust it through them and pull it out. There's no blood. It's possible, it's real. Even though they took the path of darkness, but if we can understand how God has put us to have victory, then from this moment, you will begin to see a transformation in our lives. The first thing is Psalm 100 verse 4, which you know very well. The Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. That many of us we do. But I want you to have an idea for many people who have been to Africa or been to Nigeria where you build mansions. And for those who do not know, there are mansions in Nigeria, okay? Not only trees and, and lions. There are mansions that, is, that are built. And then there are walls. They fence the place around with concrete walls. Sometimes the wall is higher than the height of the building. It's fenced high so much like a prison wall. And then you see the wires on the top. All these are security fence to protect the people who are inside. It's the same way God has built a wall for where his children are supposed to be. Surrounding all of us. He says in order for us to come in at the place of victory. He said we should enter his gates with thanksgiving. The way to unlock the door of the spiritual realm is through thanksgiving. If you notice that every prayer that Jesus Christ prayed, he began with, Father, I thank you. In respect of the situation and circumstances, despite the fact that Lazarus was lying dead in the tomb, I expected Jesus to get to the tomb of Lazarus and begin to bind and cast and pray. He ignored the situation on the ground and knew that the power comes when he connects to the spirit. He said, Father, I thank you. He did that, and that's the same thing many of us do in Psalms 100 verse 4. Now, in the second phrase, you see, where he said the courtier, in those mansions, there is always a long distance between the gates and the actual building. And that's called the courtier. When you are inviting somebody to come on in, first he has to identify himself at the gate for the security men to open the door. With thanksgiving, we identify ourselves at the gate of heaven, at the spiritual gate. And God opens, the angels opens the gate. There's a distance between the praise, the thanksgiving, to the time of the praise. It takes a while to go through the time to transit from thanksgiving to your praise. And by the time you begin to praise, to go into the third area, which is what? The altar of incense. Now, this is where the challenge is between you and I and every Christian I know. At the altar of incense, it's the place where Jesus becomes more real than the problem that you have. When you begin to give thanks, when you begin to praise, when you begin to worship, 
And God begins to take you into the spiritual realm. And that spiritual realm, let me tell you, that is where the greatest distraction is. At that moment, you see that what is leading you into the spiritual realm is stopped. Or your phone rings. Or there's a knock on the door. Or there is something that wants to distract you so that you do not proceed into where you are supposed to be. You cut it short. And tomorrow you start again. Father, I thank you. I praise you. I worship you. By the time you step into the altar of incense, which is where you become a sweet-smelling servant, into the sight of God, something happens again. We go back. So every time we continue to come in, we are never able to break through the point where we will step in in order to hear God. And the altar of incense is the place where Christ becomes more real to you than the situation and circumstances that you have. It is at the place where you begin the first encountering of the power of God in your life. And when you begin the encountering of the power of God at that moment, something begins to transform. You lose the consciousness of self. When Peter was able to come to the presence of God in the Mount of Transfiguration, the Bible says, he said, let us build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He forgot about himself. When you still remember yourself, you are in the consciousness of the flesh. When you go and begin to go into the spirit, it doesn't matter how much we praise and we preach and we shout. If they say there is fire alarm right now, before you are turn, I am already outside. Everybody has flown away because we are conscious of what is going on around us. If you, when you are lost in the spirit, one can call you 20 times, you won't hear. When you are lost in the spirit, people could be crying, you will not hear them. When you are lost in the spirit, you are conscious, you are conscious of God and you have no consciousness of self. At that moment, faith is built. At that moment, trust is built because this is a place of intimacy. Intimacy begins when you lose the consciousness of who you are and you begin to embrace the consciousness of whom God is. Then you can trust him because he's becoming real to you at that moment. Now when you're living in the physical, it doesn't matter how much, you begin to pray for somebody. You're expecting that immediate healing. It didn't take place. The next thing you open your eyes to see whether he's getting healed or not because you're doing it in the physical. But when you be able to go and you step in onto the third place, when you go able to break through that third level, it is the biggest and the greatest distraction you will ever have in your spiritual life because the enemy will never allow you to step into the next level. That's where the distraction comes in. For people not to penetrate beyond that. Distractions, then immediately you remember there is something you had on the fire. Immediately you remember there's something you were supposed to do you have not done. Because the enemy knew if you can go beyond that level, if you can cross that threshold, if you can move, step beyond that point, because God already seen you as a sweet-smelling servant. Is willing to draw you in because no man can draw to God except God first draws him into unto himself. When he draws you onto the fourth level, at that point, God begins to speak. Now, you begin to be like Jesus Christ. You begin to understand that even though the scripture is written, even though the Bible is written, we cannot pick all the promises and carry it on our back. It never makes a difference. Check your lives. 
But when you have crossed the threshold into the next step, where God begins to speak to you, remember, you have lost consciousness of yourself. You have lost consciousness of your problems, your situation, your circumstances. You have forgotten about them because it's all about you, Jesus. At that level, God begins to speak to you because you are now in a place of stillness. Now he begins to drop his words in your spirit. Now you begin to hear what he has for you. Now he begins to give you revelations and understanding because he still speaks. Jesus told the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the disciples and every person in John 5.39. He said, you seek the scriptures, you search the scriptures, you think in the scripture you have life. He said, no, there is no life in the scriptures. I didn't say it, it's Jesus said it, John 5.39. He said, you search the scriptures, you think in them you have life. He said, there's no life in the scripture, but they are there which testifies of me. Life is in Christ. And Christ is not only engaged in the scripture. The scripture gives us direction to Christ. And Christ is real and alive right now between you and I is here by the power of his spirit. That if we are able to now understand how to get in to his presence, at this level, we begin to see a difference in our life. God is not able to speak to you because he knows your problem before you came to him. He's able to speak his word to you. And when he speaks his word to you, then you can testify. There's something Jesus said, I think it's in John 5, uh, 30. He said, I can do nothing of my own, but as I hear, which means he's listening for the Father's instruction. As I hear, why is it that we're not hearing? Because we are not willing to pay the price to go through where God will begin to speak to us. We think only Stephen can hear. No, you can hear. God is speaking to you, but we have not moved into that level where your ears will be open to his voice. We cannot have revival or transformation in our spiritual life until we go through where we can come and listen to God to speak to you. He has a word for you, he has a word for your family, has a word for your husband, has a word for your job, but you cannot claim the word that is not spoken to you. We have been claiming it. I know this many pastors, this will be controversial, but I stand by the testimony of that same God who performed the miracle. When I was in Uganda, there's something, a child with epilepsy came forth, and that began my challenges in the spiritual realm. Pastors, every person that were there were over 20 something pastors in a conference. A child with epilepsy came, was having epilepsy. Everybody prayed and bind and cast. The child was still forming. Nothing happened. Nothing happened until we come to the understanding where as God take me into the spiritual realm, cross the threshold, I was able to say, depart from her. And he came, but I couldn't do it because in the flesh, when you're looking at it, the child is still forming. As you look at the situation, it will overwhelm your face. That's why Jesus did not look at the tomb of Lazarus. He looked up. Because whatever you focus your attention upon becomes magnified in your life. If you're wearing a dress that has just a red spot, every time you look at it, you think everybody notices that you have a red spot. Nobody cares. But only you care. Because that's all you think. People are not looking at the entire dress that is clean. Only the red spot. Because that's what your attention is. It becomes magnified in your life. In relationship is the same thing. If our attention is focused on Christ, Christ becomes magnified in our lives. 
Then when we move from the next phase, where God speaks to the next phase, where we can now declare his word, because he has spoken that word to you, now you can hold God responsible for the word he spoke to you. How can we hold God responsible about the scripture that has not been spoken to you? How can you hold God responsible? But when you are fine time, pass through the gates, go through the courtyard, go through the period of intimacy, went through the period where you become still to hear from him and he speaks to you, that's when now you can say like Jesus said in John 5, uh, uh, 40, he can now say the same thing that he said. Whatever I say is what I hear the Father tell me. Now, when I'm able now to say, you sick of the palsy, rise and be healed. It will because I will not be speaking of my own. I'll be speaking of what God has said to me. And then God will confirm it like he did with signs and wonders and miracles. God is not attracted to anything but to himself alone. God is not attracted to you, not attracted to me, but God is attracted to his word. He said, I'm the Lord that searches my word to do what? Perform it. He searches his word where his word has been spoken to, not where his word is not spoken to. You cannot keep claiming the scripture. Oh, I claim this. The Bible says this. I claim. You can claim from today to tomorrow. We'll still meet. Your life never changes. But as we understand what it takes to go through the process, come to the time where he now becomes responsible because when God speaks and we hear and we declare his word because he has spoken that word to you and remember you are still in the spiritual realm. Jesus said except a man be born again but we have missed what it really means to be born again. He said first he cannot see except a man be born again. He cannot see. When he's just talking about the kingdom of God, you see also he's talking about you cannot see the spiritual realm until you are born of the spirit. He went for and said, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter. You're going to be around the wall, ringing around the holes, he's running around and around without understanding that we have to step into the spiritual realm if you're fighting against principalities and powers. Principalities and powers and wickedness and high places and rulers of darkness operate in the spiritual realm, not in the physical. They do not operate in the physical. You cannot defeat them in the physical. You'll be going around it. But until you step into the spiritual realm, then God begins to lead you to the process. Then the power of the Holy Spirit becomes kindled in you. Then as you now begin to speak, you speak what God has said. Now in that case, you will no more be a liar. Whatever you say is what God prompted you to say. And let me tell you one of the second cardinal mistakes that we make as Christians. We always speak and ask the Holy Spirit to perform. That is contrary to the law of the Spirit. Take this clearly this morning. All the time we speak and we expect the Holy Spirit to perform. No. In the spiritual realm, even in Christ's performance, the Spirit goes first before the word follows. In Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says, in the beginning, God made heaven and earth. The earth was without form. And the spirit of the Lord was moving. And God said. When Jesus in the book of Luke came out from the water, the Bible says what? And the spirit of the Lord descended upon him. And a voice said. He has he's never, we turned it upside down. We take a sharp knife. We are holding the sharp side. And we are using the head to hit the enemy. We are hitting ourselves more. 
It's never for us to say, oh, we say this, the Holy Spirit. No, the Spirit will prompt you. The Bible says, as we pray in the Spirit, as the Spirit gives us what? Utterance. But we have turned it around. We pray, we say, Holy Spirit, do this, do this. The Bible says it is the Spirit that will give us the unction of what to speak. And when the Spirit gives us the unction of what to speak, then the Spirit goes ahead of the Word. When you speak the Word, it comes to pass. It becomes a thunder. Health is given. Healing, deliverance, salvation. Your kids you're praying for. Those in jail, those outside jail, challenges, loss, seduction, defilement, pollution, everything that we have been struggling with. You cannot confess your sin in the physical and expect to overtake it until you go into the spiritual realm to confess in the spirit. Then it will be overtaken by the power. We confess our sins all the time. We return back to the same sin. Because we do it carnal. We do it in the flesh. Oh, Father, forgive me. Oh, you should. I cry. It makes no difference. Until what God is telling us to walk in the spirit. If nobody wants to walk in that spirit, I have decided to walk in that spirit. And I begin to have my testimony. A couple of days ago, I've been having a big back, lower back pain for a long time. As I began to walk in the spirit and see what God is going doing, boom, it's freedom. I'm so free. I bend. I do everything. There's no single pain because I see now that he's returning me back to where he first called me into. You're asking for a husband. You're asking for a child. You're asking for this. It is time. The problem is that we never have time to spend with God. When we spend the time, we are always looking at what time are we going to start and what time we're going to end. What time am I going to go into my secret place? What time am I going to go out? We haven't been able to go in there and lose track of time. When you lose track of time, now God is able to do a supernatural thing upon your life. That's what God wants you and I. And when he has moved us from that place where you declare his word, now to the next thing is where God has no choice than to do what? Perform his word. Because it is the word he has spoken to you. Pastor Gwen, I know that when your kids were young, even now they are old, every promises you have made them, they come back to you and ask you for that promises. Because you made the promise. They could not just claim a promise because other parents, other mothers make promises to their children. And then Justin will come and claim and say, well, because um, uh, uh, Edda Treat made a promise to his son or Janet made a promise to his son, therefore, I hold you responsible for that promise. You never made that promise. It is the promise God makes to you, if it is husband, if it is wife, if it is children, you need to go into the spiritual level where you can still still. He said be still. You cannot be still in the physical until you go into the spiritual realm where you lose the consciousness of who you are and have the consciousness of God. Then you can now say, I surrender. At that moment, he can now speak. You can hear because there are too many distractions. At that moment, you will not hear any more distraction because it is only you and God. Then you can declare the word that he spoke to you. As you declare the word he spoke to you, he had no choice. God will have no choice to perform that word because that word came from him to you. He will have no choice. He will have no choice. And then when he begins to perform the word that he has spoken to you, you become so free. He draws you into the Holy of Holies. In the Holy of Holies is where it says in the book of Psalm 73, it said, uh, 91, where the Bible talks about he that dwells 
in the secret place of the what? Most high. He did not say he that visits the secret place. I want you to pay attention this morning. He did not say he that visits the secret place. He said he that dwells in the secrets or the in the secret place of the Almighty God shall abide under his shadows because at that time from level one to six is now the shadow covering you in the holy of holies, covering you in the presence of him. He wrapped himself around you. The power of darkness have nothing over you. Then you can declare no weapon of the enemy fashioned against me shall prosper. Why? Because you are hiding under the shadows of the Almighty. It's not when you are in the physical Somebody brings a gun and you're walking, you ain't going to shoot me. You blow your head off. But when you are in the place, in the secure place, where the fullness of the blood is, is, is your air, where the fullness of the presence of God, where the aura and the power of God surrounds you, everything around you is double, double, double. Before one can kill you, he has to kill the father, he has to kill the son, because in them you are encased then you can declare that word, no weapon, because you know where you are. You cannot be hiding in the open where the target of the enemy is and you say no weapon. It will surely affect you. But when you hide inside the God, inside God, when you are encased inside him, nobody can touch you because you are untouchable in that place. 